Look at my butt. Show number 282 of Look at His Butt. LT and JK Talk Track. Well, listeners, here we are. Um, we're kind of in hell right now, but that's okay. Yeah. We're, we're, we're coping with it. And one of the ways that we've decided that we're going to cope is to just immerse ourselves in Star Trek because that's a much better place to be. Oh, yeah. Than the real world. And there is so much Star Trek in which you can immerse yourself. And that's, that's a really good thing. Yeah. So what we'd like to talk about today for your listening pleasure, uh, we'll talk about Lower Decks because the last two episodes were amazing. Actually, the last three episodes were really, really good. I felt like they kind of saved the best for last. <laughs> and then we will talk about the first episode of Discovery, which has finally uh, hit our screens. In fact, yep. there is an, another second episode that we haven't watched yet as of this recording. Right. So Lower Decks, which is kind of like my favorite Star Trek right now. Just it's absolutely my favorite. It is so... It's the one I truly look forward to. Oh, it's so good. There's so much happening, and as promised by the showrunner, it did get a lot deeper and more fleshed out and more complicated by the end, and then it ended in a totally unexpected way. Mm-hmm. I mean, they are not going with the pre- press the reset button at all, which I think is fantastic. Right. The last three episodes were the ones that were most, I think, directly drawn from episodes of TOS and TNG. Mm-hmm. So the eighth episode was called Veritas, and that was very much a combination of uh, Encounter at Farpoint, like Q Inquis- Inquisition, mm-hmm. plus the uh, sixth movie where uh, Kirk and McCoy get interrogated, right? Because right, right. It's yes. very much the same sort of thing. And, you know, they're they're being questioned like it's a trial and they have to tell their story. And, of course, everybody has a different version of how things happened. And, right. Um, and then it all, of course, turns out to be something completely different from what they thought it was going to yeah. be. And Q's in it, which I thought was great. John Delancey Yeah, at the very back. end. Yeah, oh, that was cool. so good. And making snarky remarks about Jean-Luc Picard, which I thought was good. <laughs> so funny. The best part, I think, about that episode for me was the through line of Rutherford, the guy who's got cybernetics, constantly yes. rebooting, mm-hmm. was so funny. Because... Yep. It started off as just being kind of a joke, and then he, he's kind of looking forward to it because he realizes he functions better when he's blacked out than he is <laughs> when, he's, when he's just a normal guy. And the way that they just showed you jumping from scene to scene to scene was so well done, so good, and just putting him in all these insane situations that eventually all made sense in the end. But, oh, I loved that. I just loved that. Yeah, that was, was a brilliant. very good episode. I liked it a lot. Oh, one of the things that I've mentioned before that I love about Lower Decks, which continued through this episode and then the following two, is that they are using this show as a real critique of the Federation and of Starfleet in a way that I just haven't seen done before Right. in this very meta way. And the thing that Boimler says here is so true right he so as they're talking about what went wrong on this particular planet it was the landru machine again yes they liked it they liked having that that red day or whatever it was called i know and 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 the captain was just all pissed off because you know she had to um 
Kirk the computer again, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> now he's a verb. Yeah. Another media conquered. <laughs> oh, so funny. Don't make me do that to you. And Landrew's like, sorry. That's good. But um, so, Kirk so, the computer. I like that. So they're they're discussing all this and, and why it went wrong. And Boimler says, Starfleet is really good at first contact and really bad at following up. And that is such a true thing, right? We've yes. seen that so many times. Well, in... Wrath of Khan. Yes, exactly. I mean, yeah, the prime example of it. But in other episodes as well where, mm-hmm. yeah, they made first contact and then they were really shitty about following up and making mm-hmm. sure that there were supplies. And so many times where we've seen outposts get destroyed because they weren't adequately defended. And, <laughs> you know, <laughs> they are they are actually really bad about that kind of stuff. And it was so cool to see that called out within the context of an actual episode of Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So kudos to them for continuing to do that. Well, it's kind of like, I don't know if it's the, one of the Simpsons writers who said it, but or somebody who was working on animation said, well, we can get away with all kinds of stuff because people go, oh, it's a cartoon. Exactly. You know? Yeah. So much more... Uh, cutting incisive criticisms mm-hmm. from cartoon characters than from some of the other ones. I love it. I just think it's great. Okay, next episode is called Crisis Point or the movie one in in my <laughs> mind now because it 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 became extremely meta. They go to the Hall of Suite and it suddenly turns into a Star Trek movie which was drawn from many of the Star Trek movies including mm-hmm. the TOS movies and also some of the TNG movies and uh Mariner decides she's going to be this character called Vindicta, which is a fantastic name. (laughs) And uh, they go through a whole adventure and it's so good. It's so very, very good getting to see them be different characters, but not really because they can't be villains, really. Mm -hmm. Mariner, Mariner really has to confront her own position and why she is the way she is we still don't find out really what's at the core of her not wanting to take on responsibility but it's great to see her shipmates calling her on her behavior and going you know you're going too far this is not good this is not a good place (laughs) for you to be and i loved at the end that they all did their signatures over the closing credits yes Oh, oh man so good <laughs> so very 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 good it was awesome and just scenes that were like lifted directly out of the trek movies but also the first contact movie like when mm-hmm. picard is fighting the borg queen there was so much of that that was yep. just like scene for scene so good and then at the end finally uh somebody figures out boimler that Mariner and Freeman are our daughter and mother, which was good. So yeah, now that becomes part of the plot. And the final episode is that, how everything changes because of that. Now, I didn't know that there were going to be guest stars in that final episode. I hadn't read anything about I that I didn't know either. It totally surprised me. And I, like, screamed at the television when they showed up. <laughs> it was so good. And it, again, it was like, so it's Riker and Troy who show mm-hmm. up on their ship, on the Titan. And it's Riker and Troy sort of in their prime, right? It's not older right. versions of them. And it was weird because it very much paralleled what they did, what, what Riker did in the Picard series when he showed yes. up at the end to save the day. So good on you, Riker, for doing it. But they were so good. And I saw, so 
subsequent to the episode, I watched a, a panel on uh, that Will Wheaton did for the Ready Room, which is the after show that he hosts. And the crew, the cast were talking, and Frakes was there, and he was saying how much he absolutely loved doing it because mm-hmm. it gave him a chance to be Riker, but in this wild and crazy way, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's not just being tall. He's, he's not just being serious. He's being like kind of the way Jonathan Frakes is and he's yeah. really jokey and crazy. And he's like putting, you know, Freeman in a headlock as they're walking around. It's like, hey, remember when I saved your butt from that thing? And she's like, oh, that's not the way it happened. It was just so good. So awesome to see them be part of the show and a new ship. And then to see Boimler finally get the promotion to a different yeah. ship. Um. I have kind of a different take, especially on that final episode. I think I might have been in a bad mood, but anyway, (laughs) um, I didn't like a lot of it because it Mm -hmm. seemed to me like it turned into a shoot 'em up. You know, let's chase each other all over the galaxy. And I just find that tiresome, you Mm -hmm. know, because they didn't do anything new and special with it to make me go, "Oh wow," you know, or anything like that. Mm -hmm. And then when Riker and Troy show up, I was like, "Oh please," because. Even though it was funny, it's like, okay, now do they have to show up in every new Star Trek? Are they going to be on Discovery? <laughs> you know, are they going to, you know, yeah. are they going to time travel to every Star Trek? And also, I feel like every Star Trek now is blowing it as far as creating their own paths mm-hmm. because they keep. I mean, it's it's just a hoot the way they reference TOS. You know, it's part of their history, right? But I don't I don't want all these guest stars. I really do not. Mm-hmm. And uh, from what I'm reading about, uh, you know, what they're planning for the the Christopher Pike show, it's like, no, you know, it is a big galaxy. Stop running into the same ten people. Yeah. So, you know, I, I had I had to I had to bitch a little on that. <laughs> I I agree that they can't run that into the ground. Although I would almost argue that the Riker and Troy characters that show up in lower decks aren't really the same characters that were Right, changing. right. Yeah. You know, and, and they show up in a in a jokey way, but then later I read something and I can't remember what it was or where I saw it, but it it sort of said that um oh, they're going to be in it more. And I was like, no. So so what I heard was they are going to be in it some. Like, they're oh. not going to be regular characters, but mm-hmm. we are going to follow Boimler as he serves on that ship and see what happens to him. So it will be focused on him and not on them. Mm-hmm. But they're going to pop in once in a while because he breakers the captain of that ship. So it, I think it'll be interesting to see how they handle that and, and how heavy-handed they go on the mm-hmm. TNG stuff. I I feel pretty confident with the Lower Decks folks that they're not going to milk it too hard and make it become awful and cringy. I don't think they're going to make it cringy. I hope not, anyway. Yeah. I wanted to, well, not complain so much, but I was really surprised and kind of disturbed by the amount of uh, death in that particular episode. Mm-hmm. S- which was surprising because they haven't done that so far because right at the very beginning of the episode, there's another starship that gets totally blown up mm-hmm. by the enemies, the Pakleds. And that was a whole starship full of people. And it just blew up. And they said specifically when they get there, there were no signs of life. Everybody on that starship died. 
Well, you know, we in TOS, you encountered that a couple times. There was time when the whole ship full of Vulcans blew up. Yeah, yeah. And there was um, when they went over to Decker's ship and found no right, one and then right. eventually found Decker and, you know, the um, Naked Time ship. Mm-hmm. You know, that happened a lot in TOS. It did. So um, on TOS, and it happened on TNG as well, to see it in a comedy cartoon mm. was weird like yeah. it just felt really strange um and i wonder i wonder why they made that decision it kind of cut the comedy a little too much for me because i felt really bad about it because we got to see some scenes with those characters before mm-hmm. they get like horribly murdered and it wasn't just like cardboard cutouts there were people with names and suddenly yeah. they got blown up i wonder if there was any discussion about that, like in the writer's room, mm-hmm. and if so, what it was or what led them to go, well, let's do this. Yeah. I I don't know. I haven't seen any other references. I, I They didn't talk about that aspect of it in the panel discussion I was watching, and I haven't seen any reviews of it that specifically called that out. But that was the biggest, not missed thing, but um, the note for me was wrong. It totally took it out of being like this lighthearted mm-hmm. fun thing and, and is like oh now it's a real star trek episode but with jokes mm-hmm. i don't know I, I don't know it was very strange yeah to me uh there were other things that happened at the end like rutherford gets his cybernetic implants torn out and yeah uh we'll see what happens with mariner and her mom and also the little uh robot <laughs> that that decided exocomp that was what she was and she decided her name was peanut hamper which is actually a pretty funny name yes um, yes who, yes who decides not to be uh starfleet in the end is like well you're all gonna die so i'm leaving bye well it was one way of tamping down the cute factor it's true and then we see her sort of floating in space at the end so i wonder if she's going to come back in some capacity that might be interesting yeah. Well, maybe she goes and hangs out with a bunch of tardigrades. And... <laughs> Who knows? Yes. And then I guess the the biggest one was they actually killed off a character, right? The security yes. officer, Shax. Yeah, he actually died. And Oh, I my think, God. Yeah. I think he's really dead. So, again, another rather serious thing that they uh-huh. inserted into this, which was kind of unexpected. So, uh, we'll see what happens. I don't know. You know, it would just be too funny if the next season opened with he's back there he is and and <laughs> and everybody's like good to see you man because you know nobody ever dies and stays dead that's or right. they don't even acknowledge that he was ever dead that's right that would you be know good. He, he's just back doing his job <laughs> anything could happen anything that's right at all. so in conclusion i loved lower decks and i loved watching it and i cannot wait for it to be back on and I'm so glad it's animation yes. because they can work on it despite the pandemic. Correct. And I feel so selfish for saying that, but. Oh, I just want to keep seeing it. I want oh, them to yeah. make more and I want them now. I don't want to have to wait a whole year. But That's right. That's it, right. Uh, so there is going to be another season. They got renewed for it, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. And we have that to look forward to. Now, there was another piece of news, which is we had very briefly mentioned that there's yet another animated series to be made, which is called Star Trek Prodigy, which is Oh, yes, to be, yes. I'd forgotten yeah, about that. Um, aimed more at kids, although I'm not quite sure what that means. Mm-hmm. But the big announcement a couple weekends ago was that uh, 
the one of the main characters is going to be Captain Janeway. So right. that's pretty cool. They got her to come and do the voice, and I'm sure she's happy because she can do that at home, mm-hmm. <laughs> just like everybody else. Yeah. So cool, and that makes me feel like it's it's going to be good. I was thinking about it, and uh, the plot is about teenagers and I thought okay this could be really weird but I feel like if Janeway's in charge she's going to make them toe the line and that, that would be good because she doesn't really put up we'll with a lot of shit. We'll see if it's like the Starfleet version of uh, those Disney teenager yes, things. Yes exactly <laughs> but come on Janeway's going to make them do work so oh, I, is she? I okay okay she's going to she's going to be the mom the mean mom. The mean mom yeah Definitely. And if they don't get her her coffee on time, watch out. Yeah. yeah. Mom hasn't had her coffee yet. Don't go in there. (laughs) (laughs) And behind her back, they call her mom, which I think is great. And she hates it so much. Yes. Um, (laughs) She knows and she hates it. Yes. So that's, so that stuff, cool. I'm, I'm happy. Lower Decks, then there's Prodigy. And now we're just starting with Discovery. So we have, it's good the timing, right? Like they've, mm-hmm. they've got enough Trek to keep us going. There's not a huge gap between these things. They're like pushers. <laughs> <laughs> just keep on this certain amount of Star Trek coming. Uh-huh. No trouble. <laughs> I have to tell you one thing mm. that um, I saw just yesterday or the day before. Every now and then, for some reason on my, my news aggregator, it shows me one of the the um, sort of like general questions on um, Reddit, uh-huh. and some of them are really fun to go read the answers. So um, one that showed up the other day, and so I went and read it, was what is something that most people find unattractive, but you find attractive? Ooh, okay. Want to know what the number one answer is? Uh, I don't know. What is An it? unhealthy amount of knowledge about Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> oh, see, that's very subjective. What does unhealthy mean? Well, it's just the way the person phrased it and everything, <laughs> and that it got voted up to the top. <laughs> I object to the word unhealthy. Well, I'm I... sorry. I like it. Uh, it's it's important having a lot of knowledge about Star Trek is very very important. It it improves the quality of your life. That's why the word unhealthy bothers me because I don't mm. see where it tips into you know helping your life and then hurting your life because well yeah. So maybe this person is saying, I really like nerds who live in their mom's basement, (laughs) you know, because Star Trek has affected them to the point where they can no longer function in this world. That's That's unhealthy. But I was interpreting it as being, this person is attracted to people like me. (laughs) Yes, yes. Well, here, you know, it's a funny thing that that what you just said, that stereotype about people living in their mom's basements. Mm -hmm. I just don't even think that that's a thing anymore. It's it's not because um, they're too young and haven't gotten out there in the world. It, it's because the world has changed so much that that's just the way people live. I mean, it, it's the people who are total nerds about things and have all that knowledge, like they can live at home and have good careers doing remote stuff. We're all living at home now. Well, it's, yeah, that's what I was going to say. The You know, moving back in and living in mom's basement has a lot to do, I mean, a lot of the uh, millennials have found they had to do that even before the pandemic because of money. And the pandemic, it's like everybody lost their job and can't pay their rent. And Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And I would actually argue that those people for whom that particular trope cliche Mm -hmm. was talked about, those people are all adults and have their own houses now. So maybe they're (laughs) living in the the basements of their own houses. No, probably not. um, (laughs) I don't think they're preppers. (laughs) No, no, they're they're not. So yeah, they're not people living in their mom's basement. They're just people, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Moving along, a couple of, of newsy things. We got a good comment about the religious shorts that our friend William Shatner was in. Yes. And Sherry left this comment for us. So this is just to expand a little bit mm-hmm. about that series that was on. And she said, family theater productions began in the 1940s as a radio production company and later branched into film and television. The family theater productions you referenced, like the crowd that Bill was in, Mm -hmm. ran interspersed with psalmic material on Sunday morning Catholic ministry program on network television when they used to do this, I guess. Yeah. Uh, People today may not remember this, but there were numerous regularly running religious-oriented programs on network television over the course of decades. Everything from Lamp Unto My Feet or Insight on Sunday Mornings to weekly midnight mass from St. Patrick's Cathedral to discussion programs like Norman Vincent Peale and Bishop Sheen and various Protestant denominational programs. Like Davy and Goliath. Yeah. Many actors, directors, and producers like John Frankenheimer got their starts or kept themselves going with opportunities on Lamp Unto My Feet, Family Theater, and Insight. And I think that's what we were saying about Bill and other actors. Mm-hmm. It, it was it was an opportunity. It was work. We're going to do it. We don't really care what the content is. Yeah. But yeah, I, I had sort of forgotten that there was a time in the 60s, the 50s and 60s, when there was a lot of regular religious programming on network television. It's all fragmented into cable now. You know, yes. There's the Catholic channels and the Protestant channels and mm-hmm. the, the, um, the Hebrew channels and the Muslim channels where you can just get pretty much 24-7 of stuff that you want to watch, but not, I don't think they do it on network TV anymore. It's just infomercials, right? On well, morning. you know, like the, the, like you said, the channels are so segmented. And what I found is I went through and I picked all my favorite channels so I don't see the others. And then every now and then on one of them, it'll show up as now being the Christian network. And then the next morning it's back to mine. And I realized oh. some of those networks are only networks for half of the day. How interesting. Yeah. Now, when I was a kid, there was some show on called, like, Sunday for (laughs) shut-ins. And I remember asking my mom, what's a shut-in, you know? And she, like, explained it to me, you know, people who couldn't get out to go to church. Wow. (sighs) That's a terrible term, though, on a a TV show. I know. Sunday for shut-ins, though. Well, but you think of all the terrible terms they used to use, you know, yeah, like retarded true. and stuff like that. Oh, I'll never forget the first time I went to England and mm-hmm. uh, I was on the tube or something and, and there were uh, signs for one of the charity organizations, which was yeah. the, spa- the Spastic, spastic Society. Spastic Children! Yeah, I was like, wow, they really say that. That's that's weird. Very, I know. Weird. The only time I was over there was like 40 years ago. And someplace I was, there was a little statue of a, a, a kid like leaning, you know, on an Oliver Twist type um, <laughs> stick, you know. Uh-huh. And uh, and it, and he had uh, a basket or something and the sign said, help the spastic children. Yeah, spastic like, children. Wow. <laughs> yep. Cultural differences. There you go. Language is not the same. (laughs) 
Okay, I have one more thing I want to say because I saw this and I laughed so hard. So Bill's horse show auction is happening. <laughs> And he's been donating lots of things, signing stuff and gathering things from all his Hollywood friends. And he found something in his garage that he decided. And he didn't know what it was. This was the thing that was hilarious to me on Twitter. He's like, I found this thing in my garage and I don't know what it is, but I'm going to donate it. And then people told him what it was. So yes. <laughs> here's what it is. It's the prop from Columbo that we talked about so much when we yes. watched that show. So that was the show. Uh, Bill was in more than one Columbo, and this was the one where he played sort of a right-wing radio host. Mm -hmm. And he has a terrible mustache. And this picture, as you correctly identified, was an actual headshot of him that they'd used on his Tech War books. Mm -hmm. And they blew it up and made it the image of this radio host and it's huge it's it's like i don't know three feet by four feet and it's hanging up in his offices somewhere um so let me read you what it says okay they drew the mustache on right yes yes yeah. the framed image has been hanging hanging in mr shatner's garage for years it's a headshot from his tech war book days it's the photo used on the dust cover over the hardbound edition someone drew a pencil mustache on it <gasps> So a pencil. a pencil mustache. So when I said, when we watched it, I was like, that's a picture of him that someone drew a mustache on. Like that's mm -hmm. not a picture of him. And I was right. Yeah. So, some, some art person just, they, they gave it to the art department and they look, make it look like him with a mustache. And they got a pencil and they just drew it on. I can't See, between it. you and me, we solved the mysteries. <laughs> I know. We're like the Scooby-Doo gang of oh. um, Shatner. I, I, yes, we can do these things. We can figure stuff out. Um, I'll continue <laughs> reading it. Yes, so, please. Mr. Shatner didn't remember where it was from because as we discussed with Henry Winkler, he doesn't care and he doesn't keep stuff from all his shows. Um, it's a prop used in Mr. Shatner's famous Columbo episode, Butterflies in Shades of Grey. The prop is one of several seen at the radio station during the episode, and he has signed it on the back. Ooh. Imagine. In pencil? <laughs> uh, it, it doesn't say. Okay. Uh, and it doesn't have a picture of his signature either. Imagine owning a prop from the Columbo episode that actually hung in Mr. Shatner's own home. Well, <laughs> his garage. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it says value priceless so I, I don't know if you want to believe that or not the minimum bid on this started at 250 dollars, and unfortunately it's up to 825 dollars right now wow just looking at this thing man if it were affordable i would totally buy this would you this is i would because it's so awful it's <laughs> just i want i want a prop that's a picture of bill that has a a penciled in mustache because they <laughs> couldn't they couldn't give a shit to take a picture of him with the mustache on him right really they just went nah we'll just take <laughs> this old headshot and blow it up nobody's gonna notice it's fine it's fine we we'll won't do a close-up of it <laughs> no no we'll just have it you know hanging up in the bathroom in the, the corridor and it'll be fine just just go with it you know i kind of I kind of give the show credit, though, because one of the things so many shows in the late 60s, well into the 70s did, was people, for strange reasons, had headshots of themselves. Mm, people mm -hmm. who weren't, it, it, the characters were not actors or actors, actresses. And so 
by making him this radio host, he had a reason to at least have this. But I remember specifically, even as a kid, well, a teenager watching that girl, and her boyfriend had a, a picture of her on his desk, but it's a, a big 8 by 10 glossy, obviously Marlo <laughs> Thomas's headshot. <laughs> yes. And yeah, she's an actress, but pe- regular people had them all the time. Yep, exactly. Yes, you, you'd see on their tables, and, and they were amazing glamour shots right yes clearly done by like cecil beaton type photographers <laughs> with lots of lighting and makeup and and everything was just uh, super beautiful so yeah very very strange yep. i think that that just was like a thing left over from the movies right because you yeah. would always see that and they just took that into television and they said ah, people are used to it it's fine well it's it's like a um when somebody's murdered you know, have you got a picture of her? And instead of getting some little thing out of their wallet, they pull out yes. this eight by ten glossy. <laughs> so true. So very, very. And you true. always expect the cop to go, "How many years old is this?" You know, it's like, <laughs> well, the hair's gone a little gray. And... Really? Oh, hilarious. Okay, so that just is my favorite thing. I I need to know how much this is going to sell for because it's just the most. Um, amazing thing I, mm-hmm. love, I love that it was hanging hanging in his garage was it hanging or was it just sort of propped against the wall well you know he, he had it? said at one point that you know fans send him artwork they've made uh-huh. of, of him and some of its chaos and some of its star trek and some of its other things and he just puts it all in the garage now he made it sound like he had made the garage into a gallery uh-huh. you know? <laughs> uh, but i i just he has this picture. They gave it to him. They gave it to him when Columbo was over. Just, just like, here, take this weird picture of yourself with a drawn-in mustache and go hang it on your wall somewhere. And yeah. He went, okay. If, what's even weirder is if he took it. You know, just went. Nobody else has a use for this. And and what? And then he thought, well, I'll just put it in the garage, and maybe one yeah. day in forty years I can sell it. <laughs> <laughs> And he was right. And he was right. He was absolutely right. Oh, Awesome. Okay, that was Just my... think of the estate sale there's going to be when Henry <laughs> Winkler dies. <laughs> uh, I hope he's got all that stuff, like, labeled with certificates of authenticity so that you know, when his kids go through it, they can, they can find everything. I really doubt it. <laughs> I think you're probably right. <laughs> All right, let us take a little break, and then we're going to come back. We're going to talk about Discovery, and then I want to talk about a couple of Star Trek episodes that I watched recently, because I like Star Trek. Okay. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Listeners, we would love to hear from you. Send us email at lookathisbutt at gmail.com or look us up on Facebook and leave us a comment. Tell us your Trek news. We're back. We are back. 
with more Star Trekishness. Yes, and Discovery is back apparently, which is good. Yes. I was I had to get myself mentally prepared. I had spoken to my brother who watched it before I did and he said, mm. "It's emotional, be ready." <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's just so intense, you know? This is the thing about lower decks aside, all of the 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 new Star Trek stuff like Discovery and Picard you have to emotionally prepare yourself for it. You can't just sit down and be like, ah, I think I'll watch this new episode, right? You just have to be like, okay, I'm going into it. I have to pay really close attention for an hour to figure out everything that's happening. And it could go in any direction. You know what <sighs> else, now that you bring it up? Yes. It looks like in the newer shows, except Lower Decks, of course. Nobody enjoys their job. <laughs> and in TOS, at least all the senior officers seem to like what they're doing. Mm -hmm. You would want to yeah. be in Starfleet. Yeah. Now it's true. like, would you join that? No, it's, it's too dark. <laughs> yeah, it's it, that's the 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 new universe, right? Is that mm -hmm. everything is fraught with peril all the time. <laughs> Well, yeah, and it's like when they, you know, entered an extremely dangerous no-win situation, you know, that's when Kirk would get, like, in in many cases, sort of a little light-handed about it, you know. Well, yeah. Well, 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 we'll find something to eat. It'll all be okay. You know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you don't see that. Yeah. You I, don't it's... see any wait and see what happens next, you know, and react to that. Or, you know, anything other than... They're, they're always in the worst peril. And, yes. And it's, I don't know. No, I agree. I think we've talked about this before with, with Discovery, and it certainly was the case in Picard as well, that mm -hmm. the threats are always hugely heightened. It's, it's always, you know, not saving this planet. Now it's saving the universe. It's right. saving all of humanity. It's just, it keeps getting bigger and bigger. And, it it always feels like everything is on the line, and that mm -hmm. was never really the case with, with TOS or even TNG, with a few exceptions. Yeah. It was more trying to solve today's problem, and you kind of felt like they had a handle on how to solve today's problem. I really hope that Strange New Worlds is more like that. I really, yeah. really hope it is. Well, in the new ones, you never see... Now, again, lower decks accepted because they do show this, but in the other ones, you never see people just sort of relaxing. Mm -hmm. And then the bad thing happens. No, there's always a bad thing going on. Yeah. They uh, they did a little bit of that on Picard. They tried to make time to show people relaxing a little bit. But again, they often used that relaxing time to have the characters do big uh, character arc reveals or mm -hmm. something like that. So it was never just fun it was more like okay now we're gonna find out your backstory or yeah. how you two people relate to each other yep uh, but that's tv i think that's the way tv is now yeah it's just changed it's really really changed uh anyway so discovery right yeah uh, <laughs> the good news is burnham's alive which you probably could have guessed because i don't think there would be a season three and she made it 900 years in the future also good and she uh, found other people. So whatever mm -hmm. they tried to do worked. And they did manage to save the future, even though it's not the future that she would have hoped it would be. Because mm -hmm. something happened to the Federation and we don't know why. So 
they pretty much summed it up at the end. So the purpose of this season is to figure out what the hell happened to the Federation and kind of put it all back together again. Mm-hmm. And also find find the discover. I mean, find her ship. Yeah, and find her ship. Yep. So that's what's going to happen. There we go. <laughs> yep. I want to ask you this. Yes. Try to bend your mind a little. Uh-huh. I was, I don't know, maybe halfway through it. And I thought, you know... This would make a great first episode of a brand new show mm-hmm. where you don't know who this woman is who has just crash landed into the dirt and where she has come from. Agreed. I think yeah. that's right. Yeah. And I I am really happy that they're starting from scratch almost, right? Mm-hmm. That they just decided to cut ties with all of the old stuff. We're in a new time, a new place, all new characters. I mean, aside from the ship, which we know is going to arrive there. Of course. But that it's it's not the same stuff that they were trying to work in before. I think that's the smartest thing that they could have done was mm-hmm. just to, to really start with a whole new environment for them to be doing stuff in. That it just felt like a, a big sigh of relief that they weren't trying to make stuff work with canon. It doesn't matter anymore, right? Mm-hmm. Now they're completely outside of canon, so we don't even have to think about that. And maybe they felt they had to um, set it in the time period they did to get viewers. But I honestly think they could have skipped season one and season two. I agree. And just started it with an opening shot of the crew, you know, mm-hmm. on their merry way having their adventures and suddenly bam they're sucked into a wormhole for some reason they're separated from burnham mm-hmm. and the show goes from there i i support that 100 percent. that would have been really really good um well except the only bad thing is that we wouldn't have gotten um pike and we wouldn't have gotten jason isaacs who i really like as an actor okay yeah all right yeah <laughs> pike, pike makes it all worth it yeah yes <laughs> it's worth it for pike the, there were things that I really liked about this. I thought the acting was good. There was a little too much pew-pew uh, explosions in space <laughs> kind of stuff. And yeah. I, for the life of me, I cannot figure out what's going on. You know, they're showing ships and her in the suit and there's asteroids and like, what the hell is going on? I yeah. can't tell. Are you supposed to be able to tell what's going on? Um, or is I it don't just... think so. Oh. And you know what? Here we are. It's 2020. Throw back to 900 years ago. Mm-hmm. Bring a medieval monk <laughs> to 2020. They wouldn't have a clue what's going on. They wouldn't know what something is, but she knows it's a personal transporter. Yeah. And I'm sorry, the fact that she can recognize technology and what it does just uh-huh. by looking at it kind of makes, you know, the, the universal truth now is how fast everything changes. Yep. Completely. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. In 900 years, it would be unrecognizable. Right. And also, they would be speaking different languages. Yes. So, unless they have babblefish in their ears, like Hitchhiker's mm-hmm. Guide, or um, somehow they knew it now have universal translators built into their com badges or mm-hmm. something, there's no way that they would be able to understand each other. Not right. possible. And I say that as a linguist. It's just the way <laughs> language changes. This is a fact. Yes, yes, I was thinking that too. So it was interesting to see lots of aliens that we recognized, you know, some alien species. So we're still kind of working with them. So that's cool. I don't get the whole thing about 
dilithium being really scarce, you know, they, they set up a bunch of mysteries that are going to get solved, mm-hmm. right? This thing that happened that they're calling the burn. What is it? Nobody knows. They're not telling us. <laughs> uh, I also, though, I liked him saying, uh, you're a time traveler. Oh, that was outlawed after the temporal wars. And I went, ooh, ooh. what's the temporal wars? I want to know what the temporal wars are and how were the time police involved in the temporal wars? <laughs> That's going to be the most interesting That's going to be good. Yeah. So clearly the uh, Discovery Clue, if I could talk, the Discovery Crew is going to show up very soon and eventually we know they're going to end up getting reunited because they've been releasing film clips showing them back together. Thanks <laughs> <No>. a lot. <sighs> no spoiler yeah. alert. Yeah, spoiler alert. Um, and uh, the the new character that she meets is not human, I guess, uh, because he's got some special communicative powers, right? Mm-hmm, he can talk to something. plants, he can talk to animals. That's kind of cool. He has what looks like a cat, but who knows? It might not really be a cat. It might be something else. We'll have to find out about that. I liked the fact that they set him up as this sort of uh, hard-ass smuggler guy, Mm -hmm. like a little bit of a Han Solo guy, and then Mm -hmm. it turns out he's really like an anarchist um, environmentalist. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty good. I like that. I like that that very much. Yeah. I I know that you don't watch the Marvel movies, but in um, Captain Marvel, she has a cat. But it's not a cat. It just looks like a cat. And it's it's an alien species called a flurkin. <laughs> and the joke is that it's this, you know, very sort of tame looking cat. But uh, when it turns into its real form, it's a shapeshifter. It, <laughs> it gets really big and it's got a lot of teeth and claws and it can eat people. And it just sort of does this randomly when it feels like it. And so I thought, <laughs> well, maybe maybe Book's character, his pet a is flirkin. really, a, it's a flurkin. It could be a flurkin. Well, remember the shapeshifting cat in Gary 7? Yes, could be that species too. Yeah, could be they're onto something. I mean, maybe we've just never caught them at it, but all yeah. cats perhaps, or certain breeds of cat. It's true. It's very true. Mm-hmm. So it's nice that there's Star Trek to look forward to. Yes. It was it was nice to sort of be back into things and, and mm-hmm. see where it was going to go. Now, the thing that I liked most about it was um, the guy, um, what's his name? Hold on. Book? Uh, no, no. So Book is the other main character, and we know right. stuff is going to happen. Um, the uh, the communications officer, uh, Mr. Right. Sahil, who has been monitoring Federation comms for like 40 years, just waiting for someone to show up. Mm-hmm. I thought that scene was really well done, you know? It was. It really was. Somebody who's really devoted to the cause, and then finally the person he's been waiting for shows up out of the blue mm-hmm. and and, you know, takes him on as a commissioned officer and it just it was i thought the acting in that was very very good yeah because it was it quiet really worked it was a quiet scene and there was a lot of emotion going on i like that you know i'm gonna really nitpick here <laughs> okay okay remember the scene where they're running through that whole big station where there's a million different aliens mm-hmm. and I, I, what i got out of it was they're trying to get to dilithium crystals yes and they finally do and they're all set up in a neat little exhibit yes. and they're being shot at but instead of like scooping them all into her bag 
She picks them up one at a time. And puts them, it's like, are you kidding me? Also, in her skin-tight suit, when she suddenly whipped out a phaser, where the hell did that come from? Yeah. I will also nitpick the fact that the people who are chasing them as they teleport around the planet mm-hmm. have the worst aim. They're Always. That's worst just a aim. given now, you know? Oh, they're worse than the uh, stormtroopers in Star Wars who can't oh, no. hit the side of a barn with the side of a barn. I mean, it was <laughs> impossible how bad th- they were aiming. And I felt like they should have done a little bit more to either explain that away or mm-hmm. just say, oh, you know, these these uh, weapons are really hard to aim. I don't know what. Yeah, these yeah. these secondhand weapons, that, you know. That's... Yeah. Can't calibrate them. Something. Yeah. Something like Ugh, that. Yeah, yep. that was frustrating. You know, I saw a movie. I was actually I wasn't watching um, only fluffy movies. I did watch kind of a serious one last night, and it took place in the future, not in the really far future though. But remember how um, in this episode we just watched? You know, he'd reach into the air and everything would light up, and he could do blah 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 blah, blah mm-hmm. and everybody can see you doing this. Mm-hmm. What they had in this movie was the palm of your hand. Oh. You pressed it, and all this information came up, and oh, you, you know, that's nice. That's a, mm-hmm. that's cool. What was the movie? Oh, it was called "What Happened to Monday." Oh, and I if anybody has that. watched that, please do contact me. I am dying to discuss that with someone. <laughs> I have never even heard of it. What was it on? Is it Netflix? Mm, let me think. Yes, one one of many streaming categories. Yes. Okay. Uh, cool. Well, I never heard of that, and it sounds interesting. It is interesting, but at the end, it's almost like it's trying to have it at least two ways, maybe six mm-hmm. ways. But anyhow, <laughs> let's uh, let's veer on back towards Star Trek, I guess. Yeah. So I'm excited. I'm glad that we're watching Discovery. I'm sure we're going to have a lot to say about it as it goes through and I'm excited to see the crew back because I, I like their interactions I think the, the episode two is going to have a lot of Saru and um, mm-hmm. uh, Tilly interaction and that's a cool pairing I think they are going to work mm-hmm. pretty well together I like Un- both those characters yeah yeah that should be good and Georgie is going to be back apparently because she yeah. was in so I was like okay how are they making this happen I don't know was she did we know if she was hiding on the ship or something? She or? did something at the end where she was going with them. Okay. I couldn't Didn't remember. She? I, I don't think remember. she did. It was a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> I'm 900 lucky years ago. It was 900 years ago, and I'm lucky if I can remember things that happened like a week ago. Because... <laughs> Gee, I'm sitting here trying to remember if I had breakfast. <laughs> yeah. What, what time is it? What day is it? I don't know. Oh, I know. Okay. <laughs> So, yay, Discovery. If you guys have seen Discovery, and I hope you have by now, let us know what you are thinking about it, because we would like to know your impressions as, yes. it, as it starts rolling along, whether uh, you were happy, if you had nitpicks, if you uh, had major criticisms, we would love to know. Mm-hmm. And I believe, um, it's probably not over by now, but um, CBS, regular CBS, is showing Discovery at least the first season. Oh, oh cool. You know, it's it's done its run on mm-hmm. extra CBS pay for it. And now they're running it. I'm I'm assuming they're going to run it right through the first two seasons cool. at least, you know. So you can kind of watch it and catch up and yeah, see what and you think about it. 
And it has uh, commercial breaks already built in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I notice every time I watch it and, and I'm sitting there going, and commercial. And, and uh, if they do show season two, you are going to see what we are all talking about when we talk about Captain Pike and Anson Mount playing oh, him. Oh, God. my God. So incredibly good. That cannot happen soon enough for me. No, it's great. Oh, just to jump back for a minute to Lower Decks. Okay. I just have to say, I laughed harder than just about anything else when, um, in the movie one, first when it's the incredibly excruciating long um, shuttle roundabout looking at, at the ship, oh, at the Cerritos. Yes. It just it went goes on forever. On, on and on. I went, oh my God, on. ship porn. <laughs> oh my God, it was funny. And then Boimler's trying to think of the right thing to say to the captain about the ship, like, because he wants to, to, you know, do well. And mm-hmm. he finally ends up saying, yeah, and that ship is like a handsome lady. <laughs> And Captain Freeman goes, yes, she is. And he writes it down. Oh, that's the thing to say. So good. So, so oh, good. Oh, he's such a suck up. <laughs> oh, but so funny. So that was awesome. And then when they finally get back on the ship, which has been retrofitted, the amount of lens flare on the bridge <laughs> yes. was oh off God. the charts. Off the charts. It was great. And oh, there was yeah. no comment on it. It was just there. And then it went away in the next scene. So now- good. I saw something, and I don't know if this was in one of the actual J.J. movies or if it was some sort of parody, where the captain gave a command, maybe it was Anson Mount, (laughs) Uh saying, turn that off. And somebody else went, we can turn those off? (laughs) I can't remember where I saw that. Oh, I don't know. I'll have to look that up. I really enjoyed it. (laughs) So good. So, so funny. Yes, I just, I was thinking about that. Like, oh, it just made me laugh and laugh. Mm -hmm. So very good. Okay. I want to talk a little bit about TNG. Because on whatever my local station is, they show blocks of Star Trek every night now. And they ran through TNG. So I watched the last episode um, and all good things. Mm -hmm. And now it's back to the beginning again. So I watched an episode from season one. And there were just two observations that I thought were very interesting in terms of TNG itself and what is happening with Star Trek. So the very last Star Trek episode, as you all remember, is Picard traveling back and forth in time because Q is making him try to have a higher realization about what humanity could do and he has to close a wormhole and blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. So it's pretty good. It's not as good as I remember it, actually. Watching it again, <laughs> I was like, oh, there's some parts of this that are not great. But... At the very end, after he solves the thing, and he's going to cue, like, what did you make me all do this for? It's, you're always making these weird tests and everything. And Q says to him, listen, <laughs> and I love the way he always says his name, Jean-Luc Picard. <laughs> uh, you have potential. And just for a minute, when you realized that this problem needed to be solved simultaneously in three different time periods you were able to see outside of your little linear existence and that is the thing that i want you to embrace that's what you need to explore it's not just about mapping stars you need to think about bigger things and picard's like i'll think about that and you know what they never did anything with that yeah (laughs) (laughs) 
And it felt like they were really trying to end TNG on this note of, we could do a lot more with this concept. Mm-hmm. And they never followed it up in any of the series, not in Picard, not in mm. Discovery. It just, it kind of went, eh, I guess that's too big of a problem to yeah. tackle. And that was disappointing. I had completely forgotten about that sort of, um, you know, Q was saying, you should, you can, and you should do more. And Picard wanted to do that. And then they never did anything. Mm-hmm. And that just, I felt a little disappointed, honestly, to say, yep, they just, they didn't. They could have, and they didn't. So, that. Now, that was still a good episode. It was interesting. It was well-paced. It was incredibly well-edited, I have to say. The editing in that was fantastic. And then we go around to the very beginning. Season one of TNG. Wow, what a pile of shit that is. (laughs) It's not good. It's really, really not good. And it totally um, supports both my and your reaction to it when it was first on watching it and going ew (laughs) right yeah this is just not a very good show i'm not enjoying this well don't torture yourself with it (laughs) no i i mean i only watched it because it was a q episode again right it was hide and q which is the one where he gives Riker superpowers oh okay and the point of it is uh you know, you can, he, Q thinks that by offering superpowers, Riker will become an egomaniac and the whole crew will be like, yes, yes, we all want superpowers. And of course, they're better than that. And they all reject the gifts that he's giving them. And so his plan was foiled. So I don't understand the point of that anyway. It was a dumb <laughs> thing to do. And also the scene where it's so slow, it's so slow and it's so talky and nobody knows what's going on. And then when they get to the point where Riker's bestowing gifts on everybody on the bridge, he gives Wesley, he he makes Wesley grow up 10 years and he turns into somebody who doesn't look like Will Wheaton at all, which is weird. (laughs) So strange. Then he gives Jordy real eyesight Mm -hmm. and Okay, like you can get that, except that Jordy's sight with his visor is like incredibly better than human eyesight. Right. And in one of the episodes, he says something about it. Yeah, he does. Yeah. I mean, it, it was discussed. It was it was a thing. Yeah. It wasn't you know like he was sad that he didn't have regular sight, but he also is cybernetically enhanced, like Rutherford on Lower Decks, mm-hmm. and it's actually better that way. But this this made me so angry. He he takes off his visor. And he looks around the bridge and he's like, wow. And it's a big emotional moment. And LeVar Burton's very good. And he looks at the view screen and there's a planet there and he's just overcome. And then he turns around and he looks at Tasha Yar and he says, you're even more beautiful than I imagined. What the fuck is that? Why is he saying that to Tasha Yar? On the bridge. On the bridge. In front of everybody. Like, oh, so bad. So if that wasn't bad enough, then Riker decides to give Worf the gift of a Klingon woman who shows up like on her on all fours, basically, on the ground. She's wearing very little clothing, sort of like not quite high heeled boots, but platform boots and fishnet stockings. Of course. What else and... would you wear with an outfit like that? And she's all growling at him, and oh, it's just awful, and then oh, it's just terrible. It's like 
Gene Roddenberry just couldn't keep his hands off of it, right? Mm-hmm. Like he had to put everything in there that was horrible and sexist and, you know, not ever thinking about it from anybody's point of view but his own. So that's that's Worf's dream is to have some woman in fishnets. And um, Geordi's dream is to be able to look on the beautiful face of Tasha Yar. And Wesley's dream is to just be a guy that doesn't look anything like him as a grown-up. <laughs> awful just awful yeah so i hated that i hated that very much and i just i'm you know i don't want to say i'm glad that gene ronberry died but i'm really (laughs) glad that they were able to wrest control of tng from him because it got so much better Mm -hmm. when his influence waned i don't think anybody would argue with that but watching those episodes again you really see how much they were trying to to fall in line with his ethos and his aesthetic and it's it's just awful it doesn't work it doesn't work with what they were trying to do anyway sorry i got a little ranty about that but it really made me angry watching it because it was just bad really yeah. bad <laughs> well you know i watched like the first maybe episode and a half of tng when it came on and i just went nope and i did not watch it again for several years when uh you know i i met a woman we became friends and she was totally into it and was telling me oh this one episode's really good yeah those first two seasons not good and that's when i you know started watching it on a regular basis yeah well it got good like in season four and and then it was pretty good after that but Mm -hmm. yeah oh but especially that first season just not good at all Ugh. Ugh. Okay, anyway, let's talk about something good. Okay. You forwarded this article to me that's called Star Trek Discovery Retcon Spock in TOS Mirror Universe episode. Yes, and what I found so, in, I thought, oh my God, this is going to be something ridiculous. Well, first of all, great clickbait. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there are pictures of Mirror Kirk and everything, but um, as you, you get into it, you're, you're like, oh yeah, yeah, I know this. And then it explains, you know, which I hadn't thought of at all. You know, mm-hmm. Spock in TOS now already knows about the universe. I, had I mean, the, never the mirror of, universe. The mirror universe? I had never thought about that at all. Me never once. neither. But then they go into the sort of detail. And this is why I called it spackle. It's like a fan level it spackle. Is. goes into the detail of this is why Spock remained so calm and instantly mm-hmm. knew what was up when mirror... Kirk and the others showed up on the Enterprise. Yeah. And it, it says all of this recontextualizes the events of TOS Mirror Mirror in regards to the actions Spock took aboard the Prime Universe's Starship Enterprise when Captain Kirk, Lieutenant Harris, Scotty, and Dr. McCoy were switched with their evil mirror counterparts thanks to a transporter accident. And Such and a they, good observation. It really is. And um they even call out some of his lines where he says to Mir Kirk, I have to get you back to wherever it is you belong. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. you know, here we have Spock. You know, they all made this great promise that they were never going to reveal any of the things that happened having to do with Discovery and the Mirror Universe and everything. And he is managing to keep that promise. Yep. It's, it's so good. And I think that's... It's very much in character with Spock, right? Like, that's what he would do, and that's the way he would react. And that's one instance, I think, where they played it into canon really well, that whatever happened in Discovery was consistent with the way Spock behaved in the Mirror Mm -hmm. Mirror episode. 
It also, here's a really good one. Spock chose his words carefully, and he wisely gave the mirror Kirk no information that could be used against the prime enterprise. He merely said, I can answer none of your questions at this time. Mm-hmm. But he knew. Yeah. It's, it's just did. a really fun article. And the reason I say it's a, a fan level, I mean that as a compliment, because mm-hmm. this is the type of thing that fans just love to dig into and you know, writes fanfic stories about and everything. But to get down to that level of detail, he said this. Now think of it in the context of he already knows. It really works. Yep. Imagine the conversation Spock had with Kirk when he came back from the Mirror Universe and and Kirk's telling him all the stuff and Spock's going, oh, amazing. I didn't know any of that. Wow. (laughs) Fascinating. Fascinating. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Good. Yep. Never Did you mean, oh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Do they still have the, no, 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 forget it, forget <laughs> I said anything. <laughs> well, even so, as we've seen, to spackle a little further, um, he could have had this full conversation with Kirk and then made him forget it, mm-hmm. like he did in the uh, Reyna episode. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Very good. I, I totally appreciated this article, and it's very well written. So It is. I'm, gl- I'm glad people are doing this kind of deep dive on fan stuff. It's mm-hmm. it's totally worth it. Really good. And, you know, um, I'm finding that um, Screen Rant in general has, has good articles, thoughtful mm-hmm. things like this. Not just repeat, re- you know, uh, so many articles fall into the category of reporting what went on and then reviewing the episode. Mm-hmm. And this, there's no episode review in here or anything like that. He's nope. putting two completely unrelated episodes in completely unrelated series together. Yeah. In a way that works. It's almost like he's got a podcast and he's talking about his fan theories. Almost. <laughs> <laughs> but he's, but. Ju- is, is it written by a man? I'm trying to It find. is, yes. Okay, his name he's is... just one guy. John or or. Keola. John Orkiola, that's his name. Hmm, I wonder if that might be a certain John o- Ordover's um, <laughs> gnome With a Danette. different name. <laughs> oh, very good. Okay, well, I think that's all we have on the list, unless you have anything else you wanted to talk about. Nope, that was it. All right, well, there we are, folks. Uh, lots of new Star Trek let us know what you think about all the things. Let us know if you liked the ends of Lower Decks and let us know what you think about Discovery and what you're looking forward to. And if you have predictions, I have no predictions for Discovery. Anything could happen, honestly. Right, right. So uh, I have nothing to speculate about, except I do hope that the, the time cops show up when we get to talk about the temporal war. Cause that A flashback so to the time cops. Yes. <laughs> I, I I was looking through Tumblr the other day and I someone had reblogged something that I had originally reblogged from another person where they'd shown a picture of Kirk and they had some quotes from uh, the time cops in DS9 when they were talking about Kirk. Mm-hmm. And they said, that man is a menace. <laughs> <laughs> and then don't they say something like 12 separate violations? Yes, yes, exactly. But I love that man is a menace. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yes. And he's our menace. That's the best part. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Okay. All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up for this particular edition of the show. So uh, thank you all for listening. Thanks for your emails and comments and and likes on Facebook and all the rest of it. If anybody wants to buy me that picture of of Bill with the drawn in mustache, I'd love it. That'd be great. (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm not going to start a GoFundMe or anything, but yeah, that'd be a cool thing. Well, if I get a big a big stimulus pay, payment, I might uh, consider it. <laughs> well, I, I want to know who buys it and what they do with it. Like, I think it would be the funniest thing in the world to just hang it in your house. Mm-hmm. Like, like it was like he had it hanging in the studio in that particular episode. Just no explanation or nothing. Just this giant picture of William Shatner with a penciled in mustache. Just, you know, next to the pictures of your family or, you know, your George O'Keefe painting or whatever. Or, um, like, you know, you have like a giant series of actual family portraits. Mm-hmm. And then there's this one, like, he's part of it. Oh, yeah. It's in the your biggest mansion, one. you know, as you go yeah. up the stairs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that would be awesome. That would be so good. Okay. Anyway. Um, thanks everyone. And we'll be back again, uh, in another couple of weeks, probably with another show. So until then, wear your masks, wash your hands, stay safe. We want you all to be safe and healthy so you can, uh, keep enjoying Star Trek. Yes. And until next time, live long, live long and, and potluck. potluck. Bye. <laughs>